Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the wins over Tulane and Temple. Also get you ready for this week's games against UCF and SMU. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. A 2-0 week for the Shockers, although in both games... uh, Uh, Didn't always look the sharpest. They start off with a 75-67 win over Tulane. They were up by 21 points with seven minutes to go. Gets a little close there at the end. Tyson Etienne has 22 points. Altery Gilbert has 17. Taylor, your thoughts on the win over the Green Wave? Yeah, like you said, I mean, that was a game where Wichita State looked like they were rolling. You know, they're up 21 in the second half. Uh, Did exactly what they they needed to do you know they put Tulane away and then in the last seven minutes they just kind of uh, just undid all of that that good work and uh, you know they let the lead get down as few as six points in the final minute uh, you know IB was really upset after that game because you know good he said good teams don't play like that and that's true I mean uh, good teams that they're able to protect leads and maintain them and you know make sure big leads like that don't come down to you know two possessions in the final minute so I think that's something the Shockers can work on uh, but again you know it's a good problem to have when you're winning basketball games you know to be worried about protecting leads it's a good problem to have so um, it, it's one of those things where there's some good and some bad uh, to take away but uh, for the most part I thought the Shockers played you know really well um you know, Tyson Etienne just uh, continues to impress me with uh, just his consistency. I mean, we kind of saw this two years ago with Marcus McDuffie uh, making a run at that first team all-conference with uh, just the scoring level that, that he was doing. He made a lot of really tough shots. I think uh, Tyson, uh, he, he gets his offense a little easier and a little more efficiently. So it's been a lot of fun to watch him this year. And um, yeah, I mean, WSU did what they needed to do in this game and, uh, uh, you know, picked up the win. The Shockers were plus seven in rebounding, which is something we focused on all year. They were plus 16 in bench production. They had a lot of turnovers, particularly there late, and had Tulane been able to take advantage of those uh, opportunities might have been a little different. They end up with the exact same number of points off of turnovers as the Shockers did. But it's also something to be said that they got the win. We saw East Carolina upset Houston. The Shockers are now, you know, in theory, tied for first place in the lost column. Still three games back in the win column, but we've seen teams like Memphis and SMU and Tulsa lose these type of games. And so I think it's something to be said that they they keep the win streak rolling. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of fans kind of lose sight of that is that, you know, they want uh, WSU to, you know, play this this crisp, crisp style of basketball that, you know, is, is pretty to watch and, uh, you know, everything is, you know, firing in all cylinders and, uh, you know, every fan base wants that from their team. But, you know, at the end of the day, you have to remember that, you know, this is conference, you know, basketball season and, you know, it's tough. You know, everyone knows everyone else's tendencies. Uh, it's not like, you know, Isaac Brown has brought, you know, a, a ton of new new uh, sets or anything to, to WSU. So they're still doing a lot of what they were doing in the past. So, you know, these teams are so familiar with uh, with WSU now, you know, year four in the American and, 
uh, you know, every win is tough. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely value in just finding ways to win. And I kind of talked about that with uh, IB this week too, about um, how he kind of wrestles with that in his mind, because I mean, you're right. I mean, WSU is not looking, you know, the best. I want to say they're playing, you know, beautiful basketball or they're, they're, they're looking, you know, good in these wins, but you know, at the end of the day, they're, they're winning games. And uh, that's more than, you know, a lot of pretty much everyone other than uh, Houston can say right now. So I think there is value in, in, in just picking up wins, finding ways to win. And uh, another highlight from that Tulane game, I thought was Dexter Dennis, uh, the defense of him, uh, just, uh, you know, another stellar defensive performance and a career full of them. And, um, you know, he, he guarded Tulane's best scorer, Jalen Forbes. He was averaging 15 and a half points coming off a, you know, a 23 point performance career, career high. He's a former, you know, four star top 100 recruit. So, I mean, he's a, he was a big time scorer and Dexter did such a good job on him, uh, for 37 minutes. And, um, you know, Forbes walks away, uh, with nine points, but it came on 0 for 13 shooting, from the field uh, 0 for 5 when Dexter was the primary defender. So Dexter did uh, such a good job on him and uh, had another one of those chase down blocks, uh, LeBron style. So uh, it's been, uh, it's been when you watch the film, I mean, it's a lot of fun to watch Dexter just go to work on defense too. Yeah. He had four blocks in that game. And of course the chase down block that made sports centers Twitter. So it's always uh, <laughs> nice to see the shockers getting recognized. Then we had the game on Sunday shockers win 70 to 67. This game had 20 different lead changes in it, which is the sixth most in program history. I, I feel like cardiologists are a good business in Wichita these days because all these games are close and coming down to the final seconds. You had a great story on Kansas.com on how Temple did some things to try and take Tyson Etienne out of the ballgame. He still has 20 points. That's the eighth time this season he's done that, the sixth in conference play. But it's so nice to have a player like Tyson who at the end of the game can go get you a bucket and, and make big plays. Yeah, I mean, the, exactly. And, you know, like I said in the story, you know, when the game is on the line, Wichita State has a lot of confidence knowing it has the AAC leading scorer, you know, on its team. And you can just put the ball in Tyson Etienne's hands and let him go to work. You know, he's, he's good in isolation. He can create his own shot. He's really good off the ball screens. And, um, yeah, that's what I wrote about pretty extensively uh, on Kansas.com was uh, how Temple uh, chose to defend him. They were really aggressive on, on ball screen defense. It was a hard hedge. So whenever Tyson would come off a screen, Temple's big man would shoot up the court and you know, come to the level of the ball and, and really try to force him to, to basically double team him, you know, at the point of attack and force him to get rid of the ball. And, you know, in theory, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, Etienne has been so good for WSU. And, you know, if you're facing him, it's like, hey, let's let's make uh, the WSU supporting cast beat us and not let, you know, Tyson Etienne go for 30. So it made sense. But, you know, uh, Tyson Etienne just – was I mean if you go back and I have a lot of clips in that film uh, clips in that story if you go back and watch those man Tyson had probably his best passing game of his Wichita State career he was so good finding you know making those quick um, quick decisions quickly identifying where the defense was vulnerable you know he was so good at dragging out the defense stretching them out making them further making it further for them to to recover. 
So when he would drag it out, he would find that rolling big man uh, to the basket. He did that twice. And then, uh, you know, when they took that away, he was able to make the skip pass to the shooter in the corner, uh, hit Trey Wade for a corner three one time. So just uh, so impressive to watch him uh, go to work in that that pick and roll. And, uh, you know, I kind of described it as, a, as kind of a chess game, you know, in the story. I mean, Temple uh, was making chess moves all, all game, trying to take away certain things from him. And then at the very end on that and one, the crucial and one in the final minute, uh, I wrote about uh, in the story that every every uh, ball screen that he took, he dribbled off of the screen. So he took the screen and used it, and usually that sent him going toward the middle. Well, on that last ball screen, you know he he knew that Temple was going to hard hedge. So when Udeze came up the screen, he he caught them so off guard because he rejected the screen and went down that sideline, and that was the first time all game he had done that. So. I think he caught the defense off guard. He was able to get by his man. And then Udeze's defender, usually the guy that would double team, he was late because he was caught off guard. So he uh, that gave Tyson the baseline. And then, you know, once he got to the rim, that's just, you know, that's weight room. That's off-season work. Uh, he, he did such a good job of, of finishing and uh, around contact. So uh, a lot of fun to, to watch him, uh, uh, you know, put that together and uh, have such a good game like that. It's crazy. It feels like every game with Temple is close like this and comes down to the final seconds. Um, you know, I, I thought they had a good game plan. They'll play UCF this week. Obviously went to overtime with them just a week and a half ago. We saw East Carolina take down Houston. So the bottom part of the AAC, while you know the records are deceiving because th- these are good teams. Temple had a lot of athletes. One thing it was nice to see is Trey Wade with a little bit more offensive production. He has 12 points in the game. Your thoughts on Trey? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, like you said, just nice to see you know the ball go in for him. I know he works so hard on his shot and uh, kind of the same deal as last year where, uh, I mean, it just never really came together for him. But, you know, he would have a game or two where, where he finally would see shots going down. And uh, that's all WSU needs from him is, you know, to make some – some wide open threes and he's still got, you know, a ton of good looks, um, you know, finished two for six. I think he was two for three at halftime. And, um, you know, first time all season, he's hit two in a game. So his uh, three point shooting has actually been trending in the right direction. Uh, once conference play has started, he's starting to shoot. I think he's like uh, 26 or 25 for the season. And then uh, the last like seven or eight games, he's shooting like 36, 37. So, uh, trending in the right direction. That's all WSU needs from him is just to make wide open shots. And another one that uh, really impressed me was Dexter Dennis. Again, um, only takes three shots, but finishes with 10 points, uh, two for two on threes. And he's another one that, that really struggled to, you know, make those wide open shots. And it's good to see him step up confidently and uh, drill those shots and also, you know, take it aggressively to the rim. And um, that was another thing that Tyson Etienne story where, after he hit the rolling big man down the middle, um, Temple adjusted its defense, used the help defense to come over, and more times than not, that was leaving Dexter Dennis open on the perimeter. So when Temple started doing that, uh, Tyson was was really quick in, uh, in identifying that and uh, hitting Dexter two times in the final four minutes. Uh, the first one was for a three uh, to go up four. And then the second one was, uh, when they're actually trailing by one in the final two minutes and, uh, he hit Dexter and, uh, he attacked the hard closeout, uh, drove right by his man and, 
and got to the foul line and uh, looked really aggressively. So uh, great work there from from Etienne and Dexter uh, being in that aggressive mindset. And, um, you know, obviously he had foul trouble throughout the games. So I'm sure that was frustrating for him. But, uh, you know, to get 10 points on three shots, that's uh, that's exactly what WSU needs from him. Yeah, we've said that all season long. This team looks so much better, so so you know enhanced when they get just you know average play, or you know what we've seen throughout his career, average play from Dexter Dennis and Trey Wade playing closer uh, to to his capabilities as well. And going back to that Tulane game, we saw Altery Gilbert with 17 points. It's nice to see some of these other guys outside of Tyson start to step up and and make some big plays. Yeah, Altrick had uh, you know those clutch free throws down the stretch too. So that was another good thing. You know, WSU was uh, perfect from the line in the, the final minute to help protect that lead. So um, you know, I know they, they they still do things that just make you you know kind of scratch your head and go, man, like what what are we doing here? And um, you know, up four to to give up an and one basket. You know, when you just absolutely do not want to foul and stop the clock. Um, you know, they're even there at the end, you know, with point, point 0.6 seconds or whatever was left, uh, um, you know, up three, you want them to throw the ball inside the three point arc. I, I didn't understand why WSU was guarding anyone that went inside that three point arc. And, uh, uh, if you watch it, you know, they had two, two guys, uh, you know, guarding people under the basket and, and under the three point line. So, uh, and then Temple gets that, that shot off that potentially could have tied it and forced overtime. So, it's still a work in progress. There's still uh, things that, you know, man, it's, it's it just goes back to that conversation we had with IB where it's like, how do you kind of wrestle with that where you feel like you're not playing very well, but you're still winning? Um, you know, obviously uh, the Shockers, you know, it's always better to, to learn from a win than it, than it is in a loss. But, you know, the schedule that's coming up, I mean, I don't think they're going to be able to play like this and uh, come away with the victories that they have been. So they're going to have to, you know, step it up. But, um, you know, I think they're up for the challenge. I think this team has the pieces to be able to do that. It's just a matter of putting them together. We've seen them play, you know, really well on offense, really well on defense. It's just time to, to kind of put that together. And um, I'm curious what you guys think as fans, just like uh, it has to be somewhat frustrating, right, to feel like this team isn't isn't playing you know, the style or, you know, playing pretty or, or playing like, a, you know, playing well, but they're still winning. How, how do you guys kind of wrestle with that? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first on this one. I think when I'm, when I'm watching the games, you know, I'm, I'm glad they're pulling it out. I'm glad they're making the clutch plays down the stretch. I think they've got a lot of trust in each other to deliver when it matters. I think the most disappointing, like in a, in a Temple game, that's just a slugfest. That's just back and forth. And it's, stressful as a fan but it's like that that's going to happen sometimes where you're just in a battle all the way through the ones that are more concerning are like we talked about earlier the two lanes you know where you get look like you're about ready to deliver that knockout blow and then it just never comes you know it was something that Isaac Brown said you know they get a little too me 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 I'm going to be the guy to make that play and they don't really execute as a team and and I'd like to see that more I think if they just take that one step to really go for the knockout blow when they can get it, then I think they're going to be far better off. I would like to see them, you know, I think this is costing them on the NCAA tournament side of things right now. Cause if you look, they're Ken Palm ranked 83, their net ranking is 76. And I, I believe Taylor, you've mentioned this. That's the main reason they're not, you know, in theory, 
they should be in the discussion or starting to be around that bubble talk, but the lack of, uh, you know, big wins or, you know, having that signature win that you can uh, point to just yet, I think as of now, at least is, is what's costing them or why they're not in all of these different bracket predictions. I was going to say, they still got what four games against, um, against SMU Memphis and Houston. So there's your opportunities. If you ask me, they've, they've got their chances coming up. Yeah. I mean, they, uh, they definitely have chances to, to move on up, but yeah, I mean, it's, a uh, that's, uh, I was talking to a bracketologist and, um, that's what he kind of pointed out was that, you know, there, there are ways to move up and, you know, in these efficiency ratings, uh, when you don't play, you know, the schedule, you know, you're not playing, you know, these top 40 teams, um, is to, you know, beat, beat bad teams by a lot. And I know it, it caps, uh, the winning at a certain amount. I think it's, uh, I, I forgot what it is, but, uh, there's other ways to kind of game the system. And, you know, when you beat teams by a lot, it improves the other efficiency um, uh, metrics that they look at. And, you know, it's the reason why, you know, a team like Drake, uh, I was looking at them on Kimpom the other day. I don't think they played anybody higher than 130 in the, in the, um, in Kimpom, but they're 64, you know, that's 16 spots ahead of WSU, but it's because, you know, they're beating teams by big margins, you know, and that's that's the the thing that's holding WSU back right now is, um, you know, these games, they keep finding ways to win, but, you know, they're not doing it in, you know, convincing matter, matters. They're not, uh, you know, the Tulsa game is really the only time that they've really pulled away and put a team away in uh, the second Tulsa game. And um, every other game, it's been, I think they're eight and two in games decided by single digits. So, I mean, pretty much every game this year has been decided uh, you know, pretty much down the stretch. So, um, or at least, uh, you know, have it, have it be a single digit margin. So, um, like Brian said though, you know, they're going to have chances, uh, you know, at SMU Memphis at home, uh, the Houston game at home. Uh, so, uh, they're going to have chances to improve, but I mean, it's still, uh, you know, Memphis is at 50 SMUs at 53. So it's not like, uh, on Ken Palm that is, so it's not like these are going to be like marquee wins. Uh, these are just wins that you need to rack up uh, to make that case to move up. And that's right where WSU needs to be to be in that conversation right around that 50, um, 50 on Ken Palm, 50 on, uh, on net. That's where they need to be in that, that to get in that at large discussion. And uh, right now they're, they're nowhere close to that. So uh, they're going to have to start not just winning, uh, winning these games, but, you know, beating good opponents. And, you know, you look at Ken Palm, they're projected to lose five of the next six. So I think uh, the rest of February, this is going to tell a lot about where this WSU season is headed. If they can just come away with, you know, three and three, I think uh, uh, you have to be pretty, pretty happy. But, you know, if you want to be in that NCAA tournament discussion, you might have to go four and two, something like that. So we'll, we'll see um, how it plays out. But, yeah, big, big month coming ahead for the Shockers. It was nice just to have a week with two games that we could talk about and not have any postponements, and hopefully we'll get that same opportunity this week. I should have mentioned with the uh, roads and cold weather, we are recording remotely today, so hopefully the audio quality is, is good, and, and uh, we'll get look forward to being back in the Forge Audio Production Studios next week. But let's take a break now. When we come back, we'll get you ready for this week's games, both road games at UCF and at SMU.
Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. We'll move now into our game preview, starting with Wednesday's matchup at UCF. You'll remember the Shockers beat UCF 93-88 to in overtime just about a week and a half ago. The game tips at 6 p.m. and will be broadcast on ESPNU. Actually, both games this week will be on ESPNU. UCF is 5-9 and and 3-8 and in conference play, but... They sure gave Wichita State a game. They probably deserved to win that game in Wichita just uh, not too long ago. So uh, what were some of your biggest takeaways from that first matchup, and what do you think the team will be focused on heading into the game on Wednesday? Yeah, it just seems like every time WSU and UCF get together, I mean, it's going to be a high-scoring game. And I think, uh, I mean, WSU's beat them every time uh, since joining the American. I think they've scored 75 uh, every every single game against them. So um, for whatever reason, it just seems like the offense is always rolling. Uh, you know, you look back at that that UCF game; they shot fifty-seven percent on twos, thirty-three uh, percent on threes, uh, hit ten of them, so had twenty-three points at the line. So yeah, WSU, uh, you know, the offense was uh, was rolling, uh, but the defense, you know, that was the biggest concern. You know, coming away from that game, uh, they gave up sixty-seven percent shooting on two pointers. Uh, Jamil Reynolds. Uh, the big six nine uh, freshman kid that they have, uh, he did not look six nine. I thought he was closer to six ten, six eleven, but he had a career high seventeen points. Really took advantage of WSU in those ball screens, and uh, I think that's the biggest area that WSU is going to have to clean up uh, to get this win on the road. It's just its defense. Uh, they played a really really sloppy game against UCF at home, uh, given you know that they were coming off that long layoff. So. Uh, Maybe you can uh, chalk it up to that, but uh, you know now that they played three games, got the rhythm back. Uh, you know they're going to have to bring a much better defensive effort to to win this game on the road. Uh, I think the ball screen defense has been the biggest concern for IB all season. Uh, WSU, uh, you know, did did a better job against Temple. Um, I thought against Temple, you know, they played good first shot defense. They're just going to rebound, uh, and that and that's another big concern going forward is defensive rebounding you know they gave up 17 offensive rebounds to temple uh just got killed on the glass seems like every time uh you know they you know you would uh they would force a miss and it would seem like okay uh, they got the stop but then you know they they could not finish the uh finish the possession off and get that defensive rebound and uh you know going back looking i mean yes temple had some weird bounces uh, you know, they had some air balls that, you know, just stuff, just fluky stuff, but, you know, 17 offensive rebounds, you know, not enough, you know, weird stuff is happening to explain that away. So, I mean, looking back on it, WSU's defense gets caught ball watching a lot. Uh, some of the first year players, even, you know, Altariq Gilbert, he's been guilty of that too, uh, where he gets caught ball watching, forgets to check out, um, or even on defense. I mean, he'll give up a back cut because, you know, he's, he's looking at the ball and his guy will go, you know, back cut and, uh, you know, score a layup behind him. So um, I think that's the biggest issue right now for WSU. But the two biggest issues going forward is defensive rebounding and uh, ball screen defense. So I think that those are the two things to look for from WSU to, to win this game. UCF did just win at Tulsa on Saturday. They won 65 to 58. For the season, they're scoring 66.4 points per game and allowing 72.2. They shoot at 42% from the field, 34% from three. A big key in this game, in my opinion, will be turnovers, taking care of the basketball. UCF averages 15.7 
turnovers per game. We saw the Shockers with some sloppy play at times last week, but hopefully they'll be able to win the turnover battle. And you'll remember Brandon Mahan, he's their leading scorer at 14.1 points per game. Uh, Let's go ahead and make a prediction, Taylor. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, like I said, I mean, it seems like every time these teams get together, it's a, it's a shootout. So I'm going to go with history. Um, I think WSU is going to get this one on the road. I think, uh, uh, I mean, UCF showed that uh, kind of like what we talked about earlier, that, you know, even these bottom teams in the American, they can come up and beat, you know, teams in the upper half. Uh, you know, UCF taking down Tulsa is a great example. So uh, WSU is going to have to bring a good effort on the road. But, you know, we've seen that from them before. Um, you know, they actually haven't had a road win since that Ole Miss game in uh, January 2nd. So it's been a while since they got that road win, but they've been playing mostly at home. I think they're going to get back to their winning ways on the road. I'm picking WSU 78-72. to 72. I think that game in Wichita a couple weeks ago really got their attention. They'll know going into this that this isn't a, a team that you can take lightly. If I'm UCF, maybe I'm you know, trying to get some revenge or out for blood a little bit. They really kind of fumbled that away. You'll remember it's the Shockers' pressure defense that really changed the tone uh, of that game and the new package that they had thrown in. I do think the Shockers win, I will say, 76-70. to And if we move on to Sunday's matchup at SMU, first matchup with the Mustangs this year, game tips at 3 p.m. As I mentioned, it is on ESPNU. They are Ken Palm ranked number 53. So we've already discussed, uh, have to take care of business with these opportunities against the top tier teams in the conference. They come in at 11 and four on the year and seven and four in conference. What do you think about this SMU team? Yeah, man, I think I've said it on the podcast before. I absolutely love Kendrick Davis, you know, I, I feel like uh, him and Tyson Etienne, they're probably uh, one, two right now in the, the race for the American Athletic Conference Player of the Year. Uh, Kendrick is, you know, so electric to watch. Uh, you know, he's, he's so fun. He can score it. He can uh, pass it. I mean, he throws, uh, you know, half-court alley-oops. Um, really just, you know, makes that offense go. And um, and now, you know, Tyson Jolly is back in the mix for, for SMU, so they have their full squad um, I mean, I, I really, really like this team. I, you know, the offense is, is, I mean, they have so many weapons on offense. The question always comes down to, you know, can they defend? And uh, it, it just seems like every single year, too, that they they scratch, they, they don't fully realize their potential. I feel like, you know, at least in the four years they've been in the American, they've always had a really, you know, talented offensive team. But, you know, they've never really been in that contention for a conference title. And, it seems like uh, things every year kind of happen where, you know, they just, uh, you know, it's usually the defensive problems, but they just find a way to, to not, uh, you know, uh, fulfill that potential. And kind of seeing it again this year, you know, seven and four in the conference, that's good. But, you know, I thought this team had a potential to be, uh, you know, a top 25 caliber team potentially, you know, uh, definitely be that, you know, that number two team. I think I, I picked them behind Houston before the season to finish second in the conference and, and get to the NCAA tournament. But, uh, you know, there's there's work to be done. And uh, this is going to be a really tough road game for WSU. But, you know, you remember the last time they went down to Dallas, that, that incredible comeback, uh, one of the best in NCAA history. I think they were down 26 in the second half. And uh, to be able to come all the way back, uh, maybe they'll be able to, to bring back some uh, some of those, uh, that juju down the stretch. Uh, so, uh uh, I think the Shockers in this one, they're going to have to play 
a really good game on offense to be able to, to keep up with SMU. And I think this one's headed to, to another shootout. That was the Dexter Dennis game last year when they came on that, uh, you know, roaring comeback. And, and as you mentioned, one for the ages, there are four losses in conference play. They've lost to Houston twice. They lost to Cincinnati and they lost at Memphis. And the second game with Houston was a complete blowout uh, by 22 points. So uh, they did beat Tulsa after that, and then they just beat East Carolina today. So they're on a two-game winning streak. They score 74.5 points per game and allow 67.4. They shoot it almost 46% from the field, 35% from three, and uh, are plus two in rebounding margin. What's the biggest key, in your opinion, for the Shockers to be able to come away with a road victory on Sunday? Yeah, I think it's just going to come down to defense. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, both of these teams are, are going to be able to score against one another, but I think it's going to come down to which defense can scrape together just enough of, you know, uh, maybe it's average or slightly above average defense and get just enough stops to, to win this game. And, you know, SMU's not a great offensive rebounding team. Uh, you know, they're, they're solid, uh, but they don't really stand out. So uh, this is an opportunity for WSU to, uh, you know, improve. I mean, that's the, its biggest weakness right now in defense is, you know, being able to rebound. So if they can limit SMU's second chances, you know, SMU is not great at generating those second chances. So uh, WSU, you know, this is a chance for them to, to control the glass. And uh, we've seen all year that their first shot defense is really, you know, is, is pretty good. So um, if they can uh, limit SMU to, to one and done, you know, on the offensive end, I think they're going to have a chance to win this game down the stretch. But um, seems like that's a concern every game is, uh, you know, they turn average rebounding teams into into great ones. And, um, you know, WSU is going to have to really buckle down. I know they're a little undersized. You know, Trey Wade's, you know, undersized at the four. You know, Moe's not a, a 6'11 center like they had last year in Jamie. So uh, they're going to have to just buckle down and find a way to, to uh, get these defensive rebounds. And, you know, they need some, you know, Monzi Jackson-like energy out there from uh, from everyone. So, I think that's going to be the key in this game is just limiting uh, SMU to one shot and just finding a way to, to get just enough uh, defensive stands in the second half. And I think WSU is going to be able to, to be in this game late and have a chance to win if it's able to do that. SMU returns to Wichita in two weeks on February 28th. So there'll be exactly two weeks in between games. And of course, the game is on Valentine's Day. So perfect time. You know, it's cold outside. Just cuddle up with your sweetie and hopefully watch a shocker win. Let's make a prediction. Uh, like I said, I mean, I'm a huge SMU fan. So I'm going to go down with the ship. Uh, I think, uh, what was it, Temple last year, or t- two years ago, where I just I couldn't stop loving them. And, uh, you know, I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep rolling with SMU. They're they're probably gonna break my heart down the stretch, but I think SMU wins this one at home. I'll go 77 to 71. I think it'll be a tough game for the Shockers as well, but I'm gonna say they prevail. I'll go 72 to 70. Maybe Tyson with another big shot late in the game. Buy or sell time, producer Brian. All right, we've spent a lot of time on this episode talking about rebounding it just seems to be the topic that doesn't go away so buy or sell is the answer at the five position currently on the roster or or does more recruiting need to happen 
I'm going to go uh, in the short term, I will buy it. I mean, I think uh, going into next year, you know, I think Mo is is a capable uh, starting five. Um, I don't think he's, uh, you know, he, he's actually had a really nice run here where he's had double digit scoring. And um, I believe, uh, let me look one in five of the last six games. So he's actually been very consistently good on the offensive end. Still too many turnovers for, for my taste, but um, I think that that'll get you by in the American. Uh, in terms of rebounding though, I'm going to sell that. I think, uh, you know, if you're, if you want to really improve defensive rebounding, you're going to have to bring in, you know, a six, nine, six, 10, six, 11 kind of guy, uh, bring in just more size. And I think that's WSU's problem right now is, uh, you know, they have a six eight center and a six six uh, you know, power forward and um, you know, that's they're just super undersized and uh, you know, they don't have, you know, too many Monzi Jacksons out there running around with that kind of crazy energy to to make up for it. So um I'm gonna buy it that, you know, Mo is good enough to pass in the American. Uh, but you know, in terms of rebounding think you're gonna have to find someone else to you know if you want to be if you want to get back to that elite level you know top 30 where they were at so you're saying he's gonna need more help yeah in terms of rebounding i think over i think overall i think he's uh you know he's good enough i think uh you know wsu can win with him but um you know in terms of just rebounding i think he does need help i'm gonna agree with taylor i've been you know kind of hard on mo all, all year long but uh um, you know, and he has played very well here of late. Um, but, uh, I think, you know, they just need that big imposing, you know, Echenique type figure and they don't have it right now. We had a lot of hopes for, for Bilal and obviously he's still young. And so hopefully he, he turns into that, but I think they definitely need to address that in recruiting as well. I think Mo is kind of, he's kind of the poster child for, for WSU as a team this season. Where it's like, I mean, you look at the points and it's like, wow, I mean, he's scoring, but then you, you watch him play and it's like, it's not always pretty. Uh, you know, he has turnovers, uh, you know, for a big man. I mean, he's he's averaging, I mean, during the stretch where he's scoring a lot, I think he's averaging like three turnovers a game. So it's kind of exactly like WSU as a team where it's just like, there's some good, there's some bad. And it's just hard to kind of wrap your mind around it. It's like, where, where does he fall? And, um so I, I think at least now he's scoring. I mean, I think in the past um, he, he's been that, that frustrating uh, because, you know, he had you, you see the potential, but then he, he just wouldn't, you know, score. So at least now he's putting it together on the offensive end and, um, you know, becoming that consistent, you know, number two, number three scorer for WSU. And that's pretty valuable. You know, they, they need help behind Tyson and to have someone to, to be able to play inside out of. I think that that's valuable. All right, we talked earlier, better shooting from Trey Wade. I think you mentioned it previously, Taylor. It's, it's Trey's now hit, uh, I think, a three in his last eight games, something like that. Is that right? Yeah, eight games. Eight games straight, and he hits hits a couple in this last one against Temple. Dexter Dennis, last two games, goes two for five against Tulane from three. He goes two for two from three against Temple, even though he's in foul trouble. Are we on the cusp? of a Trey or Dexter Dennis breakout game against UCF or SMU. I'm going to buy it and I'm going to say we're due for a Dexter Dennis game and and what a perfect time to do it would be on the road at SMU, the place where 
he had so much success last year. Sometimes you just you like a gym and and the you know the just it, it goes along with you. He's been shooting the ball more consistently here of late, always playing the fantastic defense, and I think he's due for a breakout. Yeah, I'm going to buy that too, and maybe he can you know re- rekindle some of that magic down in uh, you know in Dallas, and uh, you know that was his best game of his career last year, and um, yeah, I mean I, I I think he's he's just he looks comfortable. He's he's confident when he's shooting from the perimeter, and I think Trey Wade too. I mean, it's it's kind of, I mean, Trey is. Uh, I mean, he, he takes a lot of open shots, but then he he also takes ones where you're just like, man, like we can probably get a better shot than that. I think Dexter is a little bit better about you know shot selection where um, he's only taking you know really good shots, and for the most part, you know people are leaving Trey, so he's getting a lot of open shots too. But there are probably you know, uh, you know, two to three shots per game where Trey probably, you know, you, you look at back on it on film, it's like, okay, I mean, we could probably get you better shots than this. So I think the shot selection needs to improve a little bit from Trey, but he's still got to, you know, shoot those wide open threes when people leave him alone. You know, it's in the flow of the offense. You know, WSU trusts him to make that shot. And uh, like we talked about, you know, eight games in a row, um, I think he's shooting about 35% during that span. So that's all WSU needs from him. Um, I don't know if we're going to see a breakout game from him in terms of, you know, maybe a 20 point game. I think, you know, 15 is right, right about where, you know, he's going to top out at. Um, but Dexter Dennis, I think he does have a chance to, to really put together, uh, you know, a breakout game. Uh, we're seeing better driving from him. Uh, we're seeing him get to the line now and, and be able to, to make free throws on top of, you know, uh, drilling those shots from the outside. So I think that uh, I'm going to buy that. I think Dexter will have a breakout game here pretty soon. All right. So at the end of the half against Temple, when there's like eight seconds left, something like that, plenty of time to go make a play. Tyson pulls up from the logo. Are you buying that? I know he's got the range. I know he can hit that. But are you buying that shot? Or do you say, Tyson, go go aggressively, you know, get fouled, maybe hit a pull-up jumper or something like that. So are you buying that pull-up jumper from the logo to end the half? <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny question. Somebody uh, like uh, sent me an angry tweet about that uh, was criticizing IB. Um, like, that's the best play we can draw up. And it's, like, it's not really a play. I mean, you just put the ball in Tyson's hands and you trust him to, to make the right play. So, uh, you know, 10 times out of 10, I'm going to trust Tyson at the end to, to do what he thinks is best. Um, after that one, yeah, I mean, I probably take him to the side and, and, uh, kind of, I think he was feeling himself a little bit too much there. Um, and, but you know, when the game was absolutely on the line, uh, what'd you see him do? I mean, he didn't settle for three, uh, like we talked about earlier. I mean, he took it to the rim, uh, knew he could get at least a foul and ended up getting that and one. So, uh, you know, those end of half ones, end of first half ones, I think he's just kind of going for the. You know, that's that big play to, you know, take WSU into halftime. I think he, you know, his eyes got a little bit too big for that one. So I'm going to sell that. I think Tyson can get a better shot than that, um, especially from uh, further in. But, um, I mean, I, I'm going to trust him, you know, 10 times out of 10 to, to make that call, especially on this team. I think, you, you I mean, any anytime Tyson has the ball, that's going to be probably the best outcome for WSU's offense. So I'm going to trust him, but – I'm going to sell it because I think he can get you know a better shot than that. I'm going to buy it. And you know why? Because if he's in the gym, he's open. The results speak for themselves. 
eight games this season over 20 points. There have been some that, you know, it's like, I'm not so sure on that one, but you know, it, it keeps going in and there's a lot of times this year where I've said, no, no, no. And then it goes in. I'm like, okay, that was a great shot. Never mind. And he's such a smart basketball player. And uh, I, I think he's, you know, just kind of the perfect example of, of someone that you want to be the face of the program. And the fact that remember, this is only his sophomore year that he's putting these numbers up really gets me excited for the future as well. I actually did a story on that too, Dustin, that on those like NBA range threes earlier in the year, and uh, he's shooting like a uh, outrageous percentage on, uh, you, you know, he actually just spots up, you know, even if he's wide open, I mean, he'll be like, uh, you know, three, four feet behind the line. That's just where he's comfortable from. So, uh, I mean, I don't think it's out of his range by any means. I mean, he, he can make that shot. I just think he can get a little bit better one, you know, at those end of, end of game situations, end of half situations. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, he, he's more than capable of hitting from there. All right, we're going to stick with the three-point theme on uh, this this week's buy or sell. Heartbreak typically accompanies a banked-in three-point shot. Shocker fans have really terrible memories of Kentucky in 2014 hitting a banked three-pointer that, you know, they were absolutely needing to have in the moment. Just, you know, a bad shot banked in, and then it just feels like the juju is against you when the banked in threes are falling for the opponent. However, in the last two games, there's been a banked in three by the opponent that was a crucial one, either giving them the lead or cutting the the Wichita State's lead and, and making it really tight. And both of those games, Wichita State prevails. So buy or sell is the banked in three curse dead. I'm going to sell that. It was actually uh, it was UCF and, and then the Temple game. And I, I do agree with you when you see that banked in three go and you're like, oh, boy, this just isn't our day. But uh, I still don't think it's a habit you want to get into. And I'd like to see them, you know, hold on to leads or get out in front a little bit more and, and go on these runs than making it so close at the end. So I think uh, all of Shocker fans, you know, collective uh, blood pressures would enjoy that as well. I'm going to buy that. What, what more do you need to see, Dustin? Two of the last three games now, they've they've conquered it. I think uh, the UCF one was even more impressive. I think because uh, that one, I think that was to put them up eight. And you know, I would have you know bet everything like WSU. I mean, the, just the body language, uh, you know, going into that that you know final media timeout, uh, less than four minutes left. I would have bet everything. Like they are not coming back and winning this game. And uh, for them to um, uh, be able to rally like that that's the one that i convinced me is i think you know the curse is dead and then you you saw it again on at temple i think that i think that banked in three gave them the first lead of the second half put them up one and wsu is still able to you know come back and, and win that game so i think the curse of the banked in three i think it's over i think uh, you know you put it put it away two out of the last three games that's pretty impressive Baylor, what do you got coming up this week at Kansas.com? Yeah, just uh, just more preview stuff, and uh, you know, looking at uh, looking into these games coming up. Uh, I'm going to try to start working on um, you know some big picture stuff. On I think uh, Dexter Dennis and Altery Gilbert have pretty pretty inspiring stories to tell. Uh, you know, obviously Isaiah Porter Chandler. Uh, a lot of fans probably noticed that he was gone. Um, from the game, uh, his his uh, grandfather passed away tragically uh, last week. So really tough news for him. And you know, if you know anything about Isaiah, uh, you know he, he's super close with his family. Um, so that was really really hard for him. And 
Um, I've actually talked to him a little bit in the past about doing a story on his heritage. You know, obviously he's a Native American a family, still lives on a reservation up in South Dakota. So um, I, I've talked to him before about doing a story on his family, where he comes from. He, he really takes a lot of pride in, you know, his heritage and, and uh, you know, his people. So I think uh, I'm going to try to get together with him and, and maybe do a story like that, too. And, um, and then also, you know, the sad news that uh, Lou Hill, you know, former shocker in the late 80s, um, he was a second team all-conference WSU player in 1988, uh, worked his way up uh, as an assistant coach, became a head coach at uh, Texas Rio Grande Valley and uh, and tragically passed away on Sunday night. Uh, I actually coached in a game on Saturday, went to sleep and just never woke up. And um, there's been reports out there as complications from COVID-19. So just another tragedy uh, from this uh, pandemic. And uh, I talked to John Cooper um, former shocker, current SMU assistant coach, um, just going back over memories that, that they had together. And, uh, you know, John said they were, they were really close. They were still, you know, pretty much best friends, you know, all these years later, uh, you know, 30 years, uh, removed from Wichita, but they, they still talk almost daily. So that was really, really tough for him. And, um, so that, that story is up right now on Kansas.com. And, uh, I think people, you know, uh, older fans that, that remember those guys, I think they'll get, a, a you know, a trip down memory lane and, uh, and it's just, you know, such a sad story too. So, um, that's up right now. And, uh, and then, like I said, just, yeah, just game coverage, preview stuff, breaking down film and, uh, yeah, just trying to, um, yeah, give a, give the best content out there for WSU. Good news for Shocker fans is that they only have one more game on ESPN+. Plus. The rest of the way, either everything's on ESPNU, ESPN, or ESPN2. So for all those people that uh, uh, you know don't, don't like ESPN+, Plus, we'll have some good coverage the rest of the way. You know, in your opinion, if they win these two games, when do they start to crack into that discussion of the, the NCAA tournament? I know a couple weeks ago they were, you know, first four out or next four out in a lot of uh, uh, analysis and, and things. Most people now are just saying, you know, the American is a one big league. Do, do, what kind of run do you think they have to go on here to, to creep back into that conversation? Yeah, I've said before, I think, uh, I think they can end the year with four conference losses. I think that's kind of the cutoff. And, um, you know, maybe that changes, you, you know, it just depends on, uh, the, the rest of the bubble. I mean, we've actually seen WSU kind of move up a little. I mean, I've kind of been tracking them on a bracket matrix and, uh, they've gone, you know, up and down. And, uh, you know, right now they, they they're kind of a little bit down. Um, uh, you know, they're only in one bracket right now, but, um, I think it's just one of those where they're just gonna have to string together these wins. I think, uh, our win at SMU that goes a long way. And, and, you know, putting WSU in that conversation at UCF, that's almost, uh, you know, a given. You have to have that if you if you want to, um, you know, make a run at the NCAA tournament. Um, I think they can still take a loss in one of these games and, and still have a good seed in the American tournament. But, you know, if we're just talking NCAA, you got to win at UCF. That's a game you can't afford to lose or else, you know, that just leaves such a, th- a thin margin of error the rest of the way where, you know, you don't want to be forced to, to win out. So I think they, they got to come away with at least one win this week, two wins. Okay. Now you're, now you're talking, now you're going to be trending in that right direction. Uh, especially, you know, uh, going into the, the, I think after that you get Memphis at home 
and then possibly a, a double hitter with East Carolina at home too. So, um, you know, then you, you're looking at, then you can take uh, care of business at home. All of a sudden you're on a winning streak. So um, that would be, this is a huge week for WSU, especially if they can start out with a win on Wednesday, then that sets up, uh, you know, that big Sunday showdown. Um, so yeah, hopefully we can just get these games. And that's the, that's the thing that, uh, that that's the, uh, my only concern is, you know, is hopefully the virus can stay away and these teams can uh, find a way to stay healthy and and play these games. But I think, yeah, WSU is looking at, uh, you know, at least one this week, ideally two, and then they're going to be in that conversation. And I know we haven't gotten any information on this, but that you kind of led me right into my next question. So right now they're technically tied with Houston in the loss column, but Houston has three more wins. So what do you think the conference does if we get to the end of the year? Let's say, you know, Wichita State is able to take care of Houston at home, which I know is a tall, tall order, but they were up 10 in the second half on the road. Let's say Wichita State loses one of these other games and they both finish with three losses. How do you think the conference would handle that as far as uh, seedings when you have such a variance in the number of games that were played? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, the only way to do it is just sort it by winning percentage and and call it good. And uh, I've started to read a little on conference tournaments, and it's kind of interesting um, um, with it being so close to the NCAA tournament. I think uh, I've read where some teams that, that feel like they're locks for the tournament, like Houston, you know, in this league, um, they might just sit out the conference tournament. They might not risk it. Um, they view it as only downside. And, you know, you go there, uh, maybe you – you test positive, you get not only get kicked out of the tournament, but now your uh, NCAA tournament appearance is in jeopardy. So I think that, you know, we could see a scenario where, you know, the conference tournament happens without Houston in it. And WSU is, you know, the one seed, or I don't know how they would do it then, but uh, WSU would be, you know, the top team uh, remaining. And then, uh, you know, the rest of the American battles it out for uh, maybe the, only the, the second uh, auto bid or the, the auto bid is maybe the, the second bid for the conference. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting March uh, when we get there. Um, I think it's just going to be, um, man, it's going to be, it's, I think it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what these conferences do. I've heard, you know, conferences might, uh, start just saying that, hey, we're not going to have conference tournaments and we're just going to, uh, you know, have that uh, week break in between the tournament and the end of the regular season so teams can, uh, you know, quarantine or get healthy uh, and, and get right for the NCAA tournament. So it's going to be really, really interesting. Um, and, you know, this, this certainly affects, affects WSU that's going to be on the bubble, uh, maybe on the outside looking in. So they're going to need that conference tournament to potentially play their way into the big dance. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal for WSU and I'll be sure to, you know, uh, come up with all the latest updates and, and keep an eye on that stuff. Well, it'll be a big week for the Shockers road games at UCF and at SMU. Hopefully we just get both of those games in and we see some good play on the court. Next week, we'll be back with you to preview matchups with Memphis and East Carolina. Taylor, what should the listeners do? Gotta rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.